Hello, welcome to the Healing of Emotional Wounds podcast series. My name is Alan Mulhern. Today we're going to look at the integration process and the natural health of the psyche and the material that arises from it. How can one tell if the material coming from the client's communications is healthy or not? By healthy I mean coherent, robust and above all capable of being worked with psychologically and perhaps leading to transformation and certainly change. Unhealthy material might be incapable of such change. At the extreme one can think of someone in a psychotic condition where their fantasies and delirium and communications are the result of extreme fragmentation. In this case, one could hardly expect to work with it fruitfully. Those of you who remember the early podcasts, we described health as coming from the word hal, etymologically, the Anglo-Saxon word for whole. And it's in this sense that I'm using the word that the healthy material is ultimately arising from the wholeness of the psyche, from the self. And unhealthy material may be the result of deeply split or fragmented, fractured psyche in which the wholeness is not evident at all, quite the contrary. Therefore, to distinguish between healthy and unhealthy material, to evaluate if it is so, is crucial for a psychotherapist. This is our first topic on integration. Previous podcasts have outlined a four-stage structure of psychotherapy within which healing takes place. These four parts were, if you remember, comprehension and containment firstly, secondly, the analysis of character, thirdly, the alignment to the deep psyche, and fourthly, the integration of consciousness with the deep psyche. We're going to begin now looking at the integration process. All stages are necessary for the complete journey, however. For instance, no matter how powerful the experience of stage three, the meeting with the deep psyche, all can be lost without the integrative processes of character reform and a realignment of the ego characterising stage four. Young, stressing the importance of using fantasy material in order to access the unconscious, writes in Collective Works, Volume 8, the meaning and value of these fantasies are revealed only through their integration into the personality as a whole. That is to say, at the moment one is confronted not only with what they mean, but also with their moral demands. By moral demands, Jung means requirements from the self, big S, that the ego personality should readjust. He finishes the transcendent function, describing the importance and difficulty of this integration process. He says, Consciousness is continually widened through the confrontation with the previously unconscious contents, or to be more accurate, could be widened, if it took the trouble to integrate them. That is naturally not always the case. Even if there is sufficient intelligence to understand the procedure, there may be a lack of courage and self-confidence. Or one is too lazy, mentally and morally, or too cowardly to make an effort. Young in strident mode, stressing the need for integration and its moral demands. Balint, in 1968, attributes difficulties of integration to a failure of adequate maternal response to the infant's needs, promoting a split between a true self and a false self. The psyche is dominated by 
extreme feelings, which are not moderated or integrated into the broader psyche. The early deprivation causes a later experience of something essentially missing inside, the feeling of some basic fault in the personality. Clearly there are character components, such as belief, trust, determination and courage, aiding this integration process, very influenced by early parental and mothering experience. Integration as a practical process in psychotherapy consists, in my opinion, of three parts. Firstly, the health and healing vitality of the material arising from the unconscious. Secondly, the ability of consciousness and the ego to work psychologically with this material from the unconscious. And thirdly, the movement towards a new centre of personality and identity. Notice that the first part examines the material coming from below, so to speak, from the unconscious, as to its health. The second part looks at the process from above, so to speak, as to the ability of consciousness to work with the contents of the unconscious. The third looks to the movement of the centre of personality along the ego-self axis, the transcendent function in Jung's terminology. Using this tripartite structure facilitates an appreciation of its different parts. It is tempting to think of an inability to integrate as stemming from a single cause. However, examples will show there are numerous ways in which the integration process can malfunction or be impeded, thus derailing the full healing process. Therapists benefit from understanding each of the component parts of integration, thereby enabling more effective interventions. Each of the above stages will be examined in turn and illustrated with case studies in order that this elusive, often neglected, but central concept of integration can be understood. Firstly, the health and healing vitality of the material arising from the unconscious. Not all the psychological material accessed from the unconscious, be it from the dream world, free associations, visionary experiences or meditative states, is suitable for integration. Psychotic and borderline material, for instance, can be too distorted and disturbing for the client. In these cases, it is clinically unwise to assume it is only ego functions that are damaged and the otherwise healthy material from the unconscious is simply flooding through. Rather, the contents of the unconscious, emotions, basic perceptions, a sense of trust, are fractured, split and distorted. The emotional foundations themselves, therefore, can be damaged, especially considering that in infantile trauma, much of the damage occurs before an ego was formed and while the early self was in formation. Therefore, the ego erected upon these foundations, emotional foundations, is also impaired. It follows that psychotherapy in such instances cannot rely upon access to an integration of material from the unconscious. It is unwise to believe, in these cases, that some inner guidance is sure to follow from depth exploration. The inner guidance and useful material becomes accessible to consciousness and integration only when the unconscious is in a more healthy state and its healing energies 
are relatively intact. Let's look at a case study entitled Primary Defences. Stefan was severely traumatised as a baby and subsequently grew up in cruel circumstances. At the earliest opportunity he left home, married and had children. Problems with his parents-in-law emerged with intensity and his borderline conditions simply added fuel to the flames. Borderline conditions can be characterised by intense splits and radical shifts in mood. Intense global reactions triggered by minor events would violently take him over. Let me explain this important diagnostic distinction before we proceed. Global means distributed throughout the whole psyche, as opposed to being localised. When disturbances are localised, they are in a part of the psyche and can be influenced by the ego and other parts of the psyche. In this case, we say the subject is neurotic. So if someone is subject to angry outbursts, but these can be modified or influenced by reason or by examples from other people or influenced by other parts of the psyche, such as a loving disposition, then the disturbances are localised, that is, only inhabiting a part of the psyche. Psychoanalysts place most human beings in this category. When disturbances are globalised, they take over the whole psyche and are not subject to being influenced by the ego or other parts of it. The anger or fear, for example, might sweep through the psyche, leaving no room for reason or influence from elsewhere. When this process is very severe, the subject can be in borderline state, that is, in a temporary state close to psychosis. When this is a constant condition, the subject is in a psychotic condition. I believe this is a distinction that applies not only to individuals, but also to the collective, for example, societies, tribes or countries that are subject to breakdown conditions, such as war, hyperinflation, depressions, severe social conflicts and the fragmentation of their social structures. Notice that some of the vocabulary for collective disturbance is rather similar to psychological vocabulary also. In these cases, extreme reactions and even collective psychosis emerges, resembling those of individuals. For example, projective mechanisms by which others are seen as the exclusive cause of one's misery and danger may lead to ethnic cleansing or extreme hatred that is enacted in war. These possibilities lie in the collective psyche, that is, in millions of individuals, especially when social, political and economic conditions become very insecure. These masses of individuals become subject to influences, such as racial hatred, or intense class anger, or extreme nationalist feelings, that are easily manipulated by narcissistic or borderline leaders, who embody in themselves these borderline conditions that lie in the collective. The theme of how depth psychology, which deals with the unconscious, is a very useful tool for how individual and collective psychology overlap, will be the subject of later podcasts as we extend our healing theme outwards to societies and civilizations at large. So much for our digression. Back to Stefan and how intense global reactions triggered by minor events would violently take him over. At one point, he dreamt the following. I escape into the wilderness with my frightened children, where I find a hut and take shelter. 
Within it there appears a spirit that takes my children to an unknown land and leaves me heartbroken. The dream can be understood as the emergence of a primary defence of splitting. Stefan found his parents-in-law intolerable, and any time they resembled his abusive parents, he would be provoked into either rage attacks or flight. In this dream, he is in flight from the demonic images projected onto them. He flees with his children, who symbolise the innocent but damaged parts of his own self, which he tries to protect from further abuse. In his flight and terror, an unknown spirit, the primal defence system, finds the solution by splitting his ego, represented by himself in the dream, from his children, that is, his vulnerable emotions. Since the strategy splits his psyche, it prevents any chance of healing, since for this to happen, he would have to realise his projections and integrate the vulnerable sides of himself, which proved impossible. Donald Calched, in his book The Inner World of Trauma, also identifies primitive defence systems as a type of demonic spiritual function within the primal psyche, which serve to protect but cripple it at the same time. Here there is a spirit-like component of the psyche, which engages in a radical protection operation with Stefan, but blocks healing processes of awareness and integration. In cases of severe borderline disorder, trying to access early traumatic material may not be effective or wise, and the therapist may be better advised to build up ego strength in the client and promote protective strategies. Now, by contrast, let's look at the recognition of healthy material that arises from the deep psyche. There are many cases of less damaged people, however, where the material from the unconscious and its healing functions are healthy. With experience, healthy material can be distinguished, although this is not easy since the language of the deep psyche is highly symbolic, frequently overdetermined, condensed and enigmatic. For Freud, many features of dreams were overdetermined, in that they were caused by multiple factors in the dreamer's life. For example, traumas, recent events, wishes, something casually observed, and so on. Many dream images are also combinations of different strands of meaning or reference, and therefore are referred to as condensed. So, what does such healthy material look like? Healthy dreams, visionary material, and other expressions of the unconscious often compensate for the general attitude of consciousness, giving an alternative, original, often surprising viewpoint with an overview of the whole situation, especially of the role of the dreamer within these conflicts and difficulties. Healthy, in-depth material frequently insists on putting responsibility back upon the subject. A victim attitude rarely belongs to it. An intensely personal, moral dimension exists in the psyche although it is quite unlike that of the morals of religion or the rules of law. It can give a surprisingly accurate diagnosis of the character and situation of the dreamer and offer incisive advice, often in metaphorical form. It sometimes speaks the language of normal consciousness, though on examination the meaning is multi-layered and symbolic. 
It possesses wisdom of its own and is often very witty. Dreams and visionary material frequently have a compactness of meaning and highly compressed imagery. They can be highly dramatic, sometimes to the point of the grotesque. The practitioner needs to be aware it is not only the contents of the psyche, but its timbre, humour, compactness and vitality that indicate its health and healing energies. It is as if there is an inner director who has an unlimited budget, can conjure up any scene and use any cast, all for the purpose of holding a mirror to consciousness and saying, look how you really are. This is the state of your psyche. Sometimes, fortunately, it also shows the way forward, resolving the impasse or distortion, frequently by an adjustment of the attitude or character of the dreamer. Sometimes there are dreams of transformation and change, which are trying to reorientate the psyche towards its inner purpose, its teleology, its entelechy. There is a feeling of wholeness arising from more important dreams, as if in the psyche of the dreamer there is another, more fundamental reference point, some other centre, which grasps a far larger reality than the viewpoint of the ego. Sometimes the meaning of such dreams can take years to unfold, and only with the passage of time do they become clearer. It is exactly the same for inner visionary states described here, which have a language practically identical to the dream world. Their great advantage, however, is that they tend to be more compact compared to the abundance of dream material. Also, the subject's inner awareness, a portion of their consciousness, has engaged with the deep psyche, which does not happen in the act of dreaming. The direct introduction of consciousness into the visionary experience in the scan process described earlier gives it a focus and impetus towards meaning and revelation. The union of consciousness and the unconscious, their collaborative communication, is the great union of opposites, the conjunctio oppositorum, to use the Latin phrase that Jung was fond of. The methods described here, such as immersion in the emotional complex, imaginal bodywork, expressive techniques, the use of inner awareness, meditation or experiential focusing are only some examples of accessing the unconscious. I follow both Jung's and Asagioli's preference for a wide range of techniques to be available. The first step of integration concerning how the practitioner needs to evaluate the health of the psyche and in particular how suitable is the material from the deep psyche is followed by an assessment of the client's capacity to work with it. Our next podcast is crucial for all practitioners of therapy. It concerns our second dimension of integration, the ability of the client to work psychologically with the material from the unconscious. The psychological attitude favourable to therapeutic progress will be examined in detail. The capacity to work psychologically, to be tuned into the way the psyche works and collaborate with its expressive potential is therefore the second major step in the integration process. Without it, progress is not possible. This will be explored in our next podcast. 
I look forward to you joining me then. <laughs>